The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Before we get into this sermon, we need to get a couple of things straight. We need to get straight what the opposite of joy is. What do you think it is, the opposite of joy? It's not sadness. It's not. That's why some of the most joyful moments of our lives have tears streaming down our face. You know what the opposite of joy is? The opposite of joy is a heavy heart that weighs down on you. That's what Isaiah faced. We also need to get straight this secular idea of joy. It's on my coffee cup. Dunkin' Donuts put it there. It says joy. We're not proposing this morning with Isaiah some nebulous reason for joy. Maybe the only joy that Dunkin' Donuts has to offer is the coffee in that cup that is quickly drained away if you're me in the morning. We are offering reasons, profound reasons for a joy that is durable this morning. The last thing that I wanted to do and, and say to you this morning before we get reread this text and, and we get into it is take a couple of moments on your own to meditate on the names of this child. I just cannot. There's not enough time this morning for us to give justice to those titles. Do it on your own. I'm going to leap off of the comparisons that we have in this text. Are you ready? Here's what Isaiah says from Isaiah chapter 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light is dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. This is God's word. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, Sometimes joy is so fleeting 
and even extinct in our lives. Give us today a joy that is durable, that wells up into eternal life. Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen. Dear people of God, this is not Pharrell's version of happiness. You know Pharrell? He's, he's the guy that released the hit song, Happy, back in 2014. He's the one that says that his happiness is like a room without a ceiling. He's the guy that says that if happiness is a truth, then you should, you know, clap along. He's the guy that his happiness was so big and so great that he said that his happiness was like a hot air balloon that was going to go all the way up into space. You know the song that I'm talking about? Pharrell. But there's a hole in his hot air balloon. Actually, there's a giant hole that's been blown in it. He just released a new album. He's very angry. It's the album that critics have called the anti-happy. Didn't take long, did it? Didn't take long for the events of this last year to blow a giant hole in his hot air balloon and it just came crashing down and it came crashing down, down hard. We're not talking about that kind of joy, not that kind of joy. We're talking about an Isaiah kind of joy. We're talking about a joy that is boundless. I mean, Isaiah's just living on a whole nother plane of joy. In fact, what Isaiah says is that his joy is just going bananas. His joy is like as the people rejoice at the harvest. It's joy like that. It's the joy of the farmer. It's the joy of the farmer as he looks out across his fields and the wheat is good. And the wheat is full. And he knows that in just a few days, he's going to cut down that wheat and his barns are just going to fill up. This is the, this is the joy of the vineyard owner who, who surveys his vineyard and the, rape, the grapes are full. And he knows that in just a few days, he's going to squeeze those grapes and he's going to fill up barrel after barrel after barrel with wine. This is the joy of an economic bonanza so great that your wallet is bursting with $100 bills. There's not enough room for them. This is the joy that fills up your heart just as full as your wallet. That's the kind of joy Isaiah is talking about. It's this kind of joy. He goes on to say this. Joy as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. It's joy like that. 
where just a few days earlier you were strapping it on. You know, you're going to battle and you got a sword in your hand and a shield in the other hand and you're not sure if you're going to go home. And you kiss your little girls goodbye. And your wife cries. But then you win. And the only thing that you're worried about now is which part of the plunder do you really want to take? I mean, these people are dividing the plunder. And it's even better than that because the war is over, not just for today, but the war is over forever. That's what Isaiah says. He says, he goes on to say this, that every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. This is a permanent victory. This is a victory so permanent that you will never, ever need your machine gun again. This is a a victory so permanent that you will never, ever need anything else for war. This is the kind of joy that Isaiah is talking about. And he's saying, come on up. Come on up, my joy mountain. I want you to know it. I want you to see it. But there's an even greater joy than that. He compares his joy to this. He says, this is the joy as in the day of Midian's defeat. God's people, God's people had suffered so long. It was like a yoke to them. Because every year when the harvest came and they saw those full grains of wheat, they knew that Midian was coming. And they raped their women. And every living thing was killed. It was like a rod that weighed down on them. Because when they looked out at those full grapes, they knew we're never going to actually harvest those grapes. Because Midian was coming. And Midian would come every single year. Midian would come and they would devastate the crops. They would kill the children. And the people would starve. And the people would live in caves. And it was going to happen again. It was going to happen again because Midian had amassed an army, an army of 120,000 soldiers just sitting right there at the border. And Israel knew, oh boy, here we go again. We're dead. So they got together their little army of 32,000. There was no way that they were going to win. But the Lord said, I think it's too many, Gideon. Send 22,000 home. And so he did. And the Lord said, you know, those 10,000 or so troops that you got there, that's still too many. He sent them home too. Until there was only 300 soldiers. And all they had was a torch in their hand. But the power of the Lord shone so brightly that with 300 soldiers against 120,000 Midianites. They won a smashing victory. And then they knew joy. Because the rod had been lifted up. Then they knew joy because the yoke 
was gone. It was a kind of joy that was inexhaustible. It could not be suppressed because the Lord, and the Lord alone had won a great, great victory. I mean, it is joy like that that Isaiah is talking about. We're not talking about a joy that you can prick with a pin and then all of a sudden it just explodes. It's joy like the day of the harvest. It's joy like the warrior dividing the plunders. It's joy like in the days of Midian's defeat. That's the kind of joy that we're talking about today. Now, I don't mean to be a Grinch. But there's something sad, there's something sad about looking at that kind of joy. And I'm going to point it out. The joy at the harvest comes but once a year. And it gets worse from there. It gets worse from there because the joy at the defeat of Midian, do you know how many years ago that happened in Isaiah's day? 500. I mean, this is the joy that the people of Isaiah's day actually had never experienced. They didn't know what it meant to have a complete defeat. In fact, Isaiah couldn't. He searched his memory banks and he thought, well, what kind of joy can I compare this joy to? He couldn't think of any joy that happened during all the reigns of all the Davidic kings. And so he's got to reach back 500 years in the collective memory banks of the people to get to a joy like that. Because this isn't just a, a once-in-a-generation joy. It's worse than that. This is a once-in-every-five-generations joy. It's kind of sad if you think about it. And then the people in Gideon's day, as the years went by, the darkness and gloom fell over the land. And joy became like a dodo bird. Became like a unicorn. Or like Bigfoot. Something that they didn't understand. Something that they didn't know by experience. And I think Christmas can be like that for a lot of people. I think Christmas can be like that because the joy that Isaiah is describing here is something that has become like an ancient legend, like some kind of thing that you're supposed to feel, but you don't know how to because life has become, well, it's become just so heavy. I mean, where can you find a world so abundant, so abundant that there's this incredible harvest that happens and your heart is just filled up. And, and where in this world is there a place that is so safe, you know, so secure for you that, that you not only experience external shalom, this wellness, this peace from God, that your heart also knows it. 
Where can you find that in this world? And, and where is there a joy that, that is so pure that there is actually nothing, there is nothing at all that is weighing you down? I think we've just kind of gotten used to it. I don't even think we recognize it anymore. How heavy, how heavy our lives have become. We worry about people bringing legal actions against us. We worry about our children, you know? This world's tough. We want them to be able to adjust. It's heavy. We think about, well, how are we going to pay the rent? How am I going to make it? How am I even going to retire in this expensive city? And we haven't even gotten to the stuff that comes from the inside, like our sins failings, the death that is so close to us. I mean, I don't even think we know how heavy it's become for us. I don't even think we've come to grips with how much is weighing on each of us right now. I mean, you need to name it. You need to name it in your own heart. What is it that is weighing you down right now? And that's the thing that's stealing your joy. And that's why, that's why Isaiah needed to give good reasons. He needed to give good, solid reasons for joy. He needed to give people good reasons to climb up that mountain of joy with him. And so you know what he says? Two words. Two words. He says this. To us. And we need to hear those words. Those words matter. I mean, Isaiah, if you look at the whole context of the chapters around this, he never says that. He doesn't say to us like in the last chapter, in chapter 8, not at all. This is very out of character for Isaiah to all of a sudden stick in there a third person pronoun. He says, to us, because he wants us to get it. And that matters. That actually matters. I mean, think about, there's an iPad Pro sitting underneath the Christmas tree, but it's not addressed to you. Somebody else opens it up and you see the joy in their eyes, but it's not in yours. Isaiah says, this is a present that is sitting underneath the tree that has been given to us. He goes on to say this. He says, to us, a child is born. A baby. When you unwrap that present, it's been given specifically to us, to all of us. And you begin to unwrap it, what you find is a baby. It's the perfect gift for those who are living in gloom and darkness. Here is life, God says. When you look into a baby's eyes, you know why people love babies? It's because when they look at a baby, they see life. They see hope. They see possibilities wrapped up as you have this baby that is for you in your arms. What you see is hope. What you see is life. What you see is God coming into your world to lift the burden. 
And he's got these names. He's got these names like wonderful counselor. He's not there, you know, to have this conversation to you like some psychologist. He's a different kind of counselor. He's a counselor that has a plan for your life, and he will carry it out. And he's mighty God, Isaiah says. So that means this plan that the wonderful counselor has for you, he's got the power to carry it out. And he's not just wonderful counselor or mighty God, he's everlasting father. That means that he wants to be in relationship with you. That means that he is your father. He is part of your family. And he is Prince of Peace. Not just to bring an external kind of peace, although he will bring that too, but a peace of the heart, knowing that your Father in heaven loves you. This is the child that you have in your arms. This is the child also that Isaiah says this about. The government will be on his shoulders. And I want to just spend some time thinking about that with you this morning. Because for me, that is just a beautiful, a beautiful thought. His shoulders are wide and big and strong. Remember, we said this before. We said this before. The opposite of joy is what? A heavy heart. So why does Isaiah all of a sudden start talking about shoulders? It's because these are shoulders that can carry it all. I don't know if government's the right translation here. because It makes you think of Donald Trump and all that stuff. Maybe a better translation of this, the government will be on his shoulders, is that the ruling power for your whole life, it's on him. Let him carry it. I'm serious about that. Let him, let him carry it. Let him carry your sin. He already paid for it. Let him carry... Your children. He's more of a father or a mother to them than you are. Let him carry the legal, legal actions against you. Let him carry your future. Let him, whatever is weighing down on your heart and sapping your joy, let him carry it because his shoulders are big. His shoulders are strong. He's got it. You can trust those soldiers. And this is what will happen. Little by little, as you give those things to him, to this child with these divine names, the weight will come off. The yoke that is pressing down. The burden of sin that we just can't carry will come off. And your heart 
which before thought that joy was a dodo bird or a unicorn or something that you just haven't experienced yet, not like this, your heart will become light. Have you noticed that we talk that way in the English language? We, don't, we talk about a heavy heart. A heavy heart that is weighed down with all of this other stuff. But we also talk about a light heart. And a light heart is a joyful heart, isn't it? And there is just no joy like this kind of joy. What can we compare this joy to? Should we compare it to a, to a happiness that's like a hot air balloon ride that you can easily prick? Explode. I don't think so. Not joy like that, is it? Is it a joy that you experience just once a year, you know, around this time of year? I hope not. Should we compare it to a joy that happened 500 years ago? Like the joy of Mets fans who last celebrated in 1986? Or is this a joy that is so durable, so lasting, that you experience it every time you hold this baby in your arms by faith. I think it's joy like that. 